This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Deep State Radio. I am David Rothkopf, and I am in New York City, and I am joined today by somewhere on the Baltimore-Washington Parkway, Rosa Brooks, uh, recently installed in a very fancy professorial role at Georgetown University, which we'll talk about for a second, and in a hallway full of um, uh, activists, um, U.S., <laughs> U.S., U.S., um, Israel um, 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 uh, advocates. Uh, we have um, uh, Evelyn Farkas, uh, who has just stepped off the stage at the uh, APAC event. Um, first of all, before we get uh, any further into this, uh, Rosa, I saw pictures of your investiture at Georgetown University, and I thought you were being made like associate pope. I mean, there are lots of robes. <laughs> gown- I am, actually, David. <laughs> and I can absolve you of your sins. Wow. Did um, you wear a funny hat? I, I, I refuse to wear my funny hat primarily because I lost my funny hat at last year's graduation. (laughs) Uh, But you had one of those floppy beret. That's the one I lost. Yeah. I put it down on a table and never saw it again. So tell everybody hatless. Tell everybody what your new title is. (laughs) My new title is the Scott K Ginsburg professor of law and policy. And, and it's these bizarre academic rituals we do where we refer to it as, as your installation into a chair, which makes it sound like some sort of terrible carpentry is going to go on. But, yeah, but, but all it, really, <laughs> it really means you just give a talk. It sounds like you're like a cushion, right? That's the kind of thing you install into a chair. Well, congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. Um, Evelyn, I hope you feel fancy because Rosa's fancy now. Yes, it's rubbing <laughs> off sort of, you know, by association here. And <laughs> good, it good, seems- good. I'm going to try to I'm going to try to sound smart. Yeah, good. Well, you always do. But, you know, it seems like a good career move, Rosa, because after all this weekend, the bar letter summarizing the Mueller report was handed down and it seems like everything's fine. Never mind. So well, Trump. Not exactly. I find it so <laughs> no. weird. Everybody's saying like, oh, Trump is completely vindicated. I, I think I think. Wait a second. You know, there was just an investigation that ensnared multiple top advisors of Donald Trump, including his national security advisor and his campaign chair, uh, who who are now going to prison um, for multiple acts of criminality. uh, And that this nearly two year investigation also, uh, although it although it found no evidence of active conspiracy with Russia, it. It point Mueller pointedly declined to say that the president did not commit the crime of obstruction of justice, simply said, we decided not to draw a prosecutorial conclusion. This does not exonerate him. So I'm not quite sure how anybody comes out of that in which so much of his inner circle has ended up in prison uh, and in which the uh, report explicitly says he's not exonerated, saying 
uh, declaring victory. <laughs> it looks pretty bad to me still. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's even worse than that, right, Evelyn? Because what I think, despite her fancy title, Rosa may have slightly overstated the finding because they didn't say that there was no, no evidence of collusion or, or conspiracy. They said there was no evidence of uh, criminally prosecutable collusion. Yes. Exactly, yes. exactly. Which is, which is somewhat different. And of course, they also said, despite the fact the president has said this for a long time, that Russia did intervene, and they intervened with the purpose of trying to elect Donald Trump. Which and, seems to me, seems to me not inconsequential. But what's your view? Right. And well, they intervened, and Donald Trump's you know campaign officials, many of them, and those advising him informally, including Roger Stone, welcomed the Russian, you know, uh, interference. Right. Trump himself, from a stage, called on the Russians to provide assistance. I, that was not a joke. You know, and so there's a lot of evidence that they welcomed the Russian interference. And then on obstruction, I mean, that was in full plain view. And clearly, I think what we have there, from what I heard, you know, basically the Mueller report lays out a case for either either side on obstruction and allows now, I guess, the policymakers to make a decision. I, I, what kills me with this, though, is that is that somehow Barr is getting away with you know, putting out this this one-sided, you know, abbreviated, basically press release on the whole report, and we're not able to see the report. Normally, you would, if even if the administration wants to put their spin on it, normally you would have the the actual report released at the same time. So I find it highly disturbing, and I hope that this doesn't implant in the minds of American people the wrong impression. But again, I think that a lot will be up to. Uh, Congress, the media, you know, I wish we didn't take such a narrowly legalistic approach to this on places like MSNBC, because the big picture is the Russians interfered, the Trump, uh, you know, the Trump uh, candidate, candidate Trump and his campaign welcomed it. And then, of course, since he's been president, we, we also don't know what's been going on with regard to his relationship with Russia. You know, and let me just say Helsinki and leave it at that. Well, yeah, just say Helsinki or say the meeting in the Oval Office where he handed over things or say his policy yeah, where Israeli intelligence, you know, I mean, it's 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 that there are there are a host of things that say, I mean, you know, that the president uh, was aware of the Russian interference. He encouraged the Russian interference. We saw him do it on the stage. They embraced it. Um, there were ele elements of prior Mueller documents that suggested that people were looking for ways to harness it. Um, they may not have been able to prove just exactly how they did that, but there did seem to be communications to that effect. Uh, they then, you know, very clearly began to offer a series of things that looked like a quid pro quo um, or encouragement to the Russians, ranging from train changing the Ukraine platform during the the, the uh, Republican National Convention, straight through the, the meetings with Ambassador Kislyak during the transition and changes in Russian policy since then. Um, so it looks like there was a quid and a pro and a quo. And um, that seems, you know, pretty damning, Rosa. But the, 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 the thrust of the bar letter is don't believe your own eyes I've got this, you know, take it, take it from me. Um, 
but I think, as Evelyn suggests, it says a lot that the Barr letter did not come with the Mueller report. I My guess is that the bulk of the report will ultimately end up being made public. Um, I, I think that there are some legitimate reasons that they need to pause briefly that relate both to the uh, secrecy of grand jury information and potentially to counterintelligence conclusions in the report that would prevent it from just being, you know, oh, why not just give the whole thing to us right away? Um, I think, though, that between the fact that there obviously has been and will continue to be congressional pressure to release it and the fact that President Trump himself is saying, go ahead, release it, um, my guess is we will see it. We will see at least the bulk of it sooner or later. Um, but I also think that, that you know, you're right to sort of keep people focused on the, the primary issue, um, which is that we shouldn't be... The, the, the threshold for defining success for a U.S. president should not be uh, insufficient information to go forth and actually prosecute for multiple crimes. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'd like to say we, we could expect a little bit more of presidents to, you know, than that they just barely managed to avoid being prosecuted. Um, so, you know, I think overall the information revealed during the course of the uh, uh, Bob Mueller's uh, investigation um, is, is extremely damning, both to Trump and his inner circle. And, and I continue to feel like the, the most damning piece of all this is not even so much the, you know, let's, let's be generous and call it cheerful happy, grateful acceptance of Russian gift horses. Um, um, I, I, you know, that the really damning stuff is that just that his inner circle is a bunch of, it's a bunch of thugs. They're a bunch of corrupt thugs. Mueller may not, may have decided to not bring any additional indictments, but I suspect that there will be more indictments to come arising out of these ancillary investigations, which, which, which themselves originated with Mueller and his team. Um, so I, that said, I, I do think, you know, it was a political mistake for so many Democrats to start licking their lips and saying, you know, oh, you know, it's all about Mueller. It's all about the Mueller report. It was never all about the Mueller report. It was never all about Mueller, you know, even independent of anything. The Mueller investigation has turned up. Uh, President Trump has done <laughs> Uh, so many. I mean, we don't even get me started. Yeah, well, there is the, there there is that, but we do have to endure the next two years. And you know, one of the things that we've seen, Evelyn, is that the Republicans have literally hopped on the bar letter without the circulation of the Mueller report, and they've gone out and they said the the president has been totally vindicated. This has been a witch hunt. Nothing has been proven, despite all the indictments, despite all the people going to jail, despite the fact that collusion did take place in plain sight. It was just not the choice of Robert Mueller to prosecute for that collusion. And despite the fact that the Russian efforts produced the outcome that they wanted in the election with the election of Donald Trump, and that has produced outcomes that they wanted in the policy sphere. And that's the thing that you know seems to be lost in all of this. We're talking about the politics. You've been studying and working on issues of US-Russia relations for a long time. The national security implications of this thing are great and grave, are they yes. not? Yes, absolutely. And even today, you know, this announcement that 
um, our president made, you know, that he was he was unilaterally going to recognize, you know, that Israel could uh, have the Golan Heights, you know, it's great for Putin because he loves anything that that erodes the international order, that challenges the UN's right to speak out about uh, territorial sovereignty, that looks like it may be opening the door to Russia saying, great, we also get to keep Crimea, you know, um, the... <sighs> I mean, the Russian government, the Kremlin got so much out of this operation. It's 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 definitely not funny. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I I can't even you know the long list of what they've what what this president has done to weaken our alliances in Europe, in Asia, to go along with Russian policies um, is is pretty serious. Uh, that's not to take away from the fact that yes, of course, they provided lethal defensive weaponry to the Ukrainians, and yes, of course, they continue to deter Russian action against NATO, um, and there are some sanctions, but we haven't significantly ratcheted up sanctions against Russia. We haven't significantly, you know, um, taken action to to do anything to help Ukraine, frankly speaking. I mean, uh, really change the stalemate in the East. Um, uh, in Syria, we've, we are with... We're, we say we're withdrawing. We're not really withdrawing, but we certainly haven't become stronger with regard to countering what the end game is for Russia, Iran, and Syria. So, you know, across the board, this president has taken policy decisions that are only good for, almost only good for Russia, certainly across the board good for Russia, and um, and weakened That's America and our leverage. Coincidence, Evelyn. <laughs> <laughs> surely just a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to cry. I mean, he still wants to do business with Russia and wanted to while he was while he was a uh, campaigning. You think it's going to be different after he gets out of government? I mean, that's that also is something that Congress should be looking at. Well, absolutely. I, the reality is another whole set of things that you know. It, the whole thing strikes me as a little weird because there are a bunch of Mueller threads in this investigation that just seem to have been dropped. You know, whether it's the Roger Stone prosecution or some of his uh, strange little, you know, friends, Randy Credico and Corso <laughs> and those but other... only dropped by Barr, David, not by... Well, but, well I understand. But what, I, what, what I'm saying is that there were a bunch of things that were not really pursued. Similarly, we have not really pursued the issue of, I don't know, interviewing the president. And there's a discussion about, uh, you know, was he going to be subpoenaed and who squashed that idea? Uh, it wasn't in the DOJ. And and what you were just referring to, which is what were the economic ties of the Trumps in Russia? One thing we know for sure, they lied about them and they were substantial. Um, and so, you know, all these things seem to have been dropped in the, in, in, in the middle of it. And it raises a question about the role of the attorney general, Rosa. Um, uh, and I, you know, I would start the question around the issue of um, obstruction, because Mueller apparently, uh, and again, all we have to go on is this spin document from the attorney general's office, but Mueller apparently decided not to decide on obstruction and felt there was a case that could be made um, and uh, left it to others to make that case, perhaps because of DOJ policies about indicting a sitting president, perhaps for other reasons. Um, and Barr said, well, yeah, he studied it for two years and uh, hasn't uh, been able to make a decision. I've studied it over the weekend or for the past couple of weeks, as it turns out, and have decided there was no obstruction. 
Um, and this takes Barr from appearing to be anything like the, the an objective servant of the Constitution and, and places him in a role where everything he does this, from this point onward is suspect. Or do I have that wrong, Rosa? Uh, yes and no, right? So Barr is a political appointee. He was he was nominated, appointed by President Trump. He's not exactly an objective actor. So in that sense, yes, of course, you're right. His his uh, objectivity is dubious. Um, uh, on the other hand, um, that's the nature of the game when you're talking about the president of the United States, and that's why ultimately the mechanism that we have for removal of a president from office is a political mechanism. You know, impeachment is a political mechanism. It's up to Congress 100% to decide what constitutes high crimes and misdemeanors sufficient to impeach a president. And that is not fundamentally a legal call. That's a, that's a political call. So, you know, in that sense, we're not learning anything that we don't already know, which is that when it comes to the president of the United States, the last word is always uh, the judgment of, of, of politics, judgment of voters, and the judgment of history. It doesn't tend to be a legal, a legal process at, at all. So, 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 yes, I understand why this is frustrating. It's frustrating to me, too. I would be quite delighted if Robert Mueller had come out of this saying, I'm indicting the sitting president of the United States. I would have thought, yippee. Um, but that being said, um, this isn't at all surprising. I think it would have been, it would have been quite surprising indeed unprecedented if Mueller had come out and said, I, you know, I recommend the indictment of the president of the United States, or even I will take a pass on whether I recommend indictment, but in my personal opinion, he committed this crime. That would have been very surprising to see that. Uh, all we've had, I, I think what this just does is, is you know, again, it sort of validates what we have always known, uh, which is that when you're talking about the president, it's it's uh, in the political realm, not the legal realm. Well, let me just follow up on that quickly before going back to Evelyn. Um, the the argument that's made by people who say that uh, uh, the president should not be indicted uh, in those papers and so forth uh, is that the, the the process that the Constitution calls for for adjudicating these things lies with the Congress. Now, if the the responsibility lies with the Congress to make such judgments, then surely the Congress has the right to get all the evidence that is available to make those judgments. And that makes it a little bit um, uh, tougher, it would seem, for the uh, uh, Department of Justice to withhold the findings of the Mueller report. Or um, Can I just say there is one thing that I'm worried about, which is, Watching the statements that came, the, the the statements that came out of the mouth of the president, where he said, "I hope they look at the other side. I hope they look at the other side," meaning Hillary Clinton and Comey, and you know this kind of typical autocratic, you know, let's 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 keep investigating our opponents even after we've politically defeated them, and then second. Um, Lindsey Graham, Senator Graham said, as judiciary chair on the Senate side, so remember, you know, the House side will investigate because they are in Democratic control and there's an interest among the Democrats to look into what happened and understand it better. On the Republican side, we have Lindsey Graham saying he he wants to investigate whether power was abused in seeking FISA uh, warrants. You know, he's kind of trotting out the 
Devin Nunez conspiracy theories that I thought were dead already. And that worries me because he does have the power of the gavel and he has the power to shift the conversation in a very unhealthy way to support President Trump's very autocratic tendencies. Well, you also have the unbelievably um, irritating uh, uh, press secretary of the United States um, saying, quote, they literally accused the president of the United States of being an agent for a foreign government. That's equivalent to treason. That's punishable by death in this country. I mean, this is the... Well, she doesn't have her facts. You know, she's not known for having facts at her uh, disposal. <laughs> it's just rhetoric. Sarah Sanders, legal expert. Well, no, but I mean, it it does sort of, you know, the, 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 the Trump response to this has not exactly been um, magnanimous or frankly, like somebody who actually believes what has just happened. Um, because if they did think that this um, uh, a, a report would exonerate them completely, then they'd want all the results out there immediately, right? I mean, it seemed to me like but the president... I think we have learned, I don't think we've learned anything in the past 72 hours that we didn't already know. I don't think there's anything surprising here. Yes, Trump is an autocrat. Uh, he's a would-be, you know, would-be dictator. Uh, yes, Trump will lie through his teeth and he may or may not even be fully aware that he's lying through his teeth. And yes, he is surrounded by a group of unprincipled uh, uh, political hacks, uh, corrupt economic actors, and total thugs, and and that's already what we knew on Friday morning. Yeah, well, there's that's a heck of a picture, um, Evelyn. Uh, it's it's <laughs> it, a dimension of this that um, I don't think is fully understood. Um, is that part of the investigation was a counterintelligence investigation? And uh, there are reports today, as we're recording this, that the FBI is prepared to brief the gang of eight congressional leaders on the counterintelligence findings of the Mueller investigation, and that it could happen in the next 30 to 60 days. What might that entail? What is the counterintelligence component of this? Well, the counterintelligence component is first of all, what Russia's objectives were, and then how they tried to further those objectives using. U.S. nationals and their own spies in our country and elsewhere. So that could now it's not. And, and then period. <laughs> but there are other countries involved because we we see Russia attacked our elections and obviously tried to affect them. And some would argue that they did. And there's still the open question of what that data was that Cambridge Analytica had, what the polling data was that was handed over to essentially a Russian operative by Manafort, his his longtime associate, Kilimnik. Um, you know, what happened with that data? Did that data find its way into the hands of Americans who used it then, um, or sorry, in the hands of Russians who then used it to target Americans and help Trump? You know, all those questions are still open and we want to hear what the counterintelligence community assesses what likely transpired. Second, it's not just about Russia. We saw UAE, Israel, you know, in the in the transition and in the campaign phase and then beyond, of course, but certainly before they were even in government, these countries were trying to influence Jared Kushner and the president and his campaign officials and the national security advisor. There's also Turkey in there. You know, so a number of countries were were trying to 
gain influence and not all above board. You know, for example, uh, Japan came and gave him a nice golf club. I don't think the counterintelligence community needs to worry about that. But the things that were done in secret, you know, behind closed doors that we don't know about, those things that the Trump administration and his campaign folks tried to keep secret. Again, the fact that they tried to keep it secret is always the number one thing for the counterintelligence community to worry about. So those things need to be fully explained to Congress, and then Congress will have to decide, you know, what they do about it. I'm I'm guessing, I'm hoping that they'll ask the government, you know, the administration, what have they done to prevent this today and into the future? And that's also an important thing that I believe Congress then needs to report back to us about. Yeah, it seems that this is very, very significant stuff. Um, and, you know, again, a lot of the mystery of the uh, Trump term has been the relationship with Putin after Putin helped him win the election, which has been established now by Mueller. So we need to state that as a fact. Um, uh, and and that includes the Helsinki meeting, these other private meetings that he's had um, and and so forth. And so, again, we view this as a political issue somewhat at, at our peril, because if we do, it gets polarized and we don't focus on um, the, the, the underlying national security questions that are associated with it. Um, uh, Rosa, do you, do, you, do you expect that this kind of counterintelligence stuff is, is going to come out and and does the fact that there are no further indictments suggest that there was no wrongdoing found in that or there were no laws broken found in that? I think that the conclusion that there were no laws broken where there is sufficient evidence to issue further criminal indictments is not at all the same as saying there was no wrongdoing. And I do think that uh, the full Mueller report, which, as I said, I think eventually we will probably all see, um, is likely to highlight a good deal of stupid, unethical, sleazy behavior and behavior that does appear to be criminal. But remember, you know, also, there are lots of reasons that prosecutors don't prosecute. And it's not sometimes they are quite convinced that crimes occurred, but they don't feel that they have enough to make it ironclad to justify the resources of going forward. I think when they're talking about uh, the president of the United States, that that, you know, even more so, right, that they they they're probably not going to go forward even if they think they have an absolutely ironclad case. And they're certainly not going to do it if they think there's any doubt whatsoever, uh, even even fairly speculative and, and frivolous doubts. So so I, my guess is that there is a great deal of wrongdoing documented in that report. And also, as I said before, um, the Mueller is closing up his investigation, but he handed off various uh, sub- and side issues to other uh, uh, prosecutorial offices in the federal government. And I don't think we have any idea yet whether indictments will be forthcoming from those. So, you know, there may there may very well be more indictments to come. Um, I, you know, I think, again, when I say this is a political issue, I don't mean to imply that it doesn't matter. I, I mean to say, don't get so hung up on, we shouldn't get so hung up on 
you know, not not being criminally prosecutable doesn't mean that you're doing a great job or that right. you're not doing things that yes. are dangerous, stupid, corrupt, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think we have ample evidence of corrupt, foolish, dangerous things. There's going to be more to come. Uh, and that's where we need to keep our focus and and I think not fall into the trap of thinking, well, if we if if there's insufficient proof of beyond a reasonable doubt prosecutable crime, therefore we all have to kind of get be sad and go home. Um, you know, in some ways that that's in some ways that's a red herring. It, it always has been. Yeah. Well, you know, um, some people aren't sad by this. Uh, 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 Evelyn, I'm sure uh, as soon as you go home, you'll immediately tune in to Russian state television to watch their their nightly newscast. And Russian state television's Mueller report finding story today um, said that uh, uh, the, the Mueller report uh, cemented the odds of Trump being reelected in 2020. The host, the host saying Trump will win this election with or without our help. Oh you my know? God. <laughs> Aww, that's so nice of them. That's so, they love to take credit and deny all in the same sentence. Although in that one, they didn't deny. Interesting. Well, th- why should they deny? Oh, this is now yeah. a matter of public record. They intervened to help Trump yeah. and and they got away with it. Everybody's yeah. gotten away with it. You know, I mean, I think one of the big issues here so is- So far, so far. Let's not- Well, let's not. I, I understand. But a lot of people out there, you know, who I think were overly invested in the idea of Mueller as some avenging angel who was going to come in and solve everybody's problems for everybody, you know, have this cognitive dissonance. The Russians intervened. They intervened on behalf of Trump. Trump embraced it. Trump touted it. Trump tried to use it. Trump capitalized on it. Trump rewarded the Russians for it. The Russians have celebrated it. But no, nothing to see here. Just move on. You know, that's I I think it's, you know, it's kind of emotionally traumatic for a lot of Americans. Um, And and it's not just people with Trump derangement syndrome. Um, you know, I, it's, it's a, it's a very, very strange moment. I, I mean, look, I, you know, we've talked a lot on this program, on this program, um, <laughs> on this podcast about the bigger issue, which is that, I mean, yes, you have the foreign angle, but you have also this president who has real autocratic tendencies. And so I think the reason we should be sad is that so far what we're seeing is that the latest round kind of went to this guy with autocratic tendencies. So that's what makes me sad and nervous because ultimately I don't really care about Trump and what happens to his family. I just care about American democracy and I don't want someone in the White House who's interested in taking more control. So again, his comments about, well, we have to look at the other side, you know, and last week his comments about the military and the police and the biker gangs and everybody, you know, being on his side. And I mean, I, I get really worried about where he can bring this country and the the possibility that he could win re-election. So I think maybe that is where we need to be focused on the bigger picture, democracy and what, what Putin and Trump and others are doing to weaken it. Well, I think that's a really good point, Rosa. You know, I, you can look at this and you can say um, that this is a, a story of sort of 
shocking wrongdoing or collusion or miscarriage of justice, however you'd like to see it. But the, the bigger problem is that it once again seems to suggest that our system is rigged so that powerful people can get away with things that ordinary people can't. Um, and that this tendency towards, you know, being an autocrat also is, you know, goes along with um, other aspects of the system being rigged, um, you know, tax bills that reward the rich and not everybody else, growing inequality and so on and so forth. And so, you know, what, what we end up with here is um, an issue where the, 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 the big takeaway may not be Trump has betrayed his country, although it seems that he has, um, but that we live in a society that is increasingly unfair uh, and, and where the, the, the balance of power is increasingly concentrated in the hands of a few people who don't mind taking advantage of it in the grossest possible ways. And can I, I, can I add one other quick thing? I know it's Rose's turn to talk, but just um, Steve Bannon, he was at a rally speaking and a woman stood up and said, I don't want uh, a dictatorship or autocracy, but if we have it, I want it to be Trump. And everybody in that room applauded. So I just want to just add that also to your, your, your <laughs> oh, that's equation. All right then. Yeah. Okay, go, yeah, Rosa. As long as, it's my, <laughs> as long as it's my dictator. No, I mean, of course you're right, David. And I, I wish we had Corey with us on this episode because... The question in my mind, and I I don't feel that I know enough to answer it, is to what extent um, to what extent is this the worst it's ever been versus to what extent, you know, was political corruption in, for instance, Gilded Age America just as bad? I mean, that was also an era of extraordinary inequality and corruption uh, and kleptocracy. You know, so I I would be I would be curious to know the views of Corey and our other friends on on how unprecedented this is. Um, you know, has America survived uh, moments like this before or not? But I think whether or not we have been here before, no question about it, that that is part of the part of the broader story here is about that Trump, Trump is a crappy human being surrounded by other crappy human beings, but he would not have, even leaving aside the role of the Russians, you know, he could not have come to the position of prominence he's in were it not for, you know, deep and appalling structural inequities and weaknesses in America's so-called democracy and deep and appalling economic inequalities and uh, serious loopholes in our laws about so-called, you know, white-collar crime. Um, I, You know, I think that he is the product of a system that was already very, very badly broken. He's the apotheosis of that of that very badly broken and deeply corrupt system. Um, we can get rid of Trump by voting him out of office in 2020, but unless we, as a nation, get serious about much more far-reaching political and economic reforms, uh, we'll get another Trump back again uh, in five years or 10 or 20. See, I think you may, uh, even in Corey's absence, have just made yourself eligible for the uh, tiara of optimism because you suggest that Trump is the apotheosis of this, uh, and and yet it could get much worse. Oh, <laughs> oh that's true, David. Good point. 
Um, I mean, you know, if in fact this somehow levels the field a little bit or gives Trump a bit of a boost or uh, takes this issue away for a couple of percentage points of Americans um, uh, and Trump gets reelected, you know, we're looking at six years of a corrupt president of this, as you so eloquently put it, a crappy human being surrounded by other crappy human beings. Uh, who are corrupt and who are criminal and and who are, as Evelyn suggests, bent towards autocracy and shutting down um, democracy in a variety of ways, whether it's in the Senate by using the rules or by voter suppression or 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 other techniques. So the the you know what's most worrisome on a on a political basis of this is that it might actually prolong the Trump presidency and this real crisis for democracy. Amen. 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 Rosa, I'm not do sure I have amen a... is the right term. <laughs> I don't know. I'm no, well, you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, you know, I mean. I'm, just... I, I'm not in favor of it. I'm just saying, yes, that's the danger or a danger. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's potentially a dark, dark turning point. Well, fortunately, you know, Deep State Radio will be around a long time, um, uh, even though, you know, the credibility of the because Deep State. Because we have the bunker, right? Right. We have the bunker and 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 uh, and and we're the Deep State. You know, we don't go away. Um, although apparently Trump loves the Deep State. Mueller was the Deep State, you know, a while ago. And now, you know, he and thus, you know, evil. And now it's like, oh, no, Mueller's great. So you know, no, no, he still thinks Mueller is evil. He yeah. just thinks Mueller, Mueller failed to get him. Yeah, well, that's that's but he said America is a great country, the greatest country anywhere. He was he was really very emotionally moved by this whole thing. Um, well, you know, I, I suspect we are, you know, I mean, we're in the early days of the Mueller report. Even we we haven't seen it. It's got to show up in the Congress. Uh, the Congress is going to do its own investigations. There's the counterintelligence findings that are going to come out of it. Uh, there are a whole bunch of other stories that are, you know, un, unresolved, whether it's Roger Stone, whether it's WikiLeaks, where, you know, we may or may not see uh, uh, the uh, extradition of Julian Assange, uh, the 16 other investigations that are going on in, 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 in Trump land. Uh, and uh, it's going to take a lot of, uh, uh, you know, deep state radio to solve this. And of course, now that Rosa has this lifetime appointment as at you know at, at Georgetown or what you know to to resolve issues like this, we know that there will always be uh, somebody that America can turn to who will be able to not only speak about it, but do so wearing uh, funny robes. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, which is which is which is which is what we up. <laughs> Um, uh, thank, thank you, Rosa. Thank you, Evelyn. Thank you, everybody else out there in Deep State Radio Land. Please go to the DSRnetwork.com for uh, other of our podcasts. Please stay tuned for the later podcast this week and uh, and some new stuff we've got coming. Uh, it's all very exciting, and uh, we look forward to uh, continuing to uh, uh, explore all of these avenues with you in the months ahead. Bye uh, bye. Deep State Radio is a production of the Deep State Radio Network, a division of TRG Interactive Media. Our podcast today was produced in cooperation with Goat Rodeo Productions and was supervised by Ian Enright. 
Join us again for another episode of Deep State Radio. If you don't, we know where to find